G'day and welcome to Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today I'm going to go behind the scenes of the property management industry, take you into some of the little known and hidden truths that is unfortunately becoming all too commonplace at the moment with property managers over the last two, three years, needing to adapt, needing to survive and cutting a lot of corners in how they're remaining profitable. So I've dragged out my superstar property manager, Dwayne Long, to chat through what we both see happening in the industry and some of the things we're doing to go the opposite way to that and doubling down on our service. So stay tuned. I'm sure you're going to pick up a lot. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. G'day, Dwayne. How are you going? Hey, Jared. I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, excellent, mate. I guess today I wanted to chat about some of the inside knowledge that happens within the property management space. And I guess to the average investor, when you're browsing for potential property managers, they can all seem the same and it's really hard to know what's actually happening to deliver the service day to day, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Um, Everyone's got promises and things they put online, but um, I suppose the service in the back end is what's most important. And I guess over the last five years, what I've seen just to set the landscape, and you would have certainly seen it too, is that with rents coming down 22%, not only landlords have done it tough, all real estate agencies and property managers have done it extremely tough as well. So we've all in the real estate space had to try to find how we survive. Basically, Mm. when your profit margin might have been at 20% before to have such a large portion, if not all of that, drop out, uh, you know, over the two to three years, you have to try to figure out how else to deliver your service and reconfigure things. And we've, um, I guess, made the conscious choice to double down on service and reconfigure to deliver a greater level of service and made, the, I guess, the conscious choice to invest in our people and find the highest quality of managers that we can and, you know, invest a lot in training week on week. And, you know, when you bring a new team member on, you spend three months of intensive training with them. And I guess the selection of those team has been incredibly important ongoingly. We're lucky to have such a stable team, but most of them are property investors themselves, if not property owners, and they understand those emotions that we go through as investors. So, We've taken that approach and, of course, we would have seen the other approach out there, haven't we? Yeah, sure have. Um, People need to still make a profit at the end of the day, Jared, so there's others who um, have had to reduce their costs by cutting their service, I guess. Um, And I guess today's conversation is about how different parts of the service can be done by different entities and what that really costs the investor. Yeah, ultimately, that's what it's about because if we, if all things were equal, we'd go with the best property manager. But when people get two sets of fees in front of them, sometimes, especially when things are tight, it's tempting to go 
for the lower fee, not realizing what it's going to cost them ultimately overall. And I guess uh, what I've seen happen uh, in broad brush strokes is that property management companies have gone and given 150 to 200 properties to a manager and they've given outsourced all the routine inspections and a lot of these other um, tasks that are actually pretty essential for a property manager to know your property. And in doing so, the, the property managers don't get to know their properties very well. They don't get to be hands-on and you're just another number as a as a, another number in their portfolio. Think about having uh, 200 tenants, 200 owners. It's 400 relationships Pretty, pretty very. I just don't think you can remember all the names for all the people. <laughs> names, let alone uh, details yeah. of their properties. So, look, yeah. let's go into. I guess the purpose of today was to go into some of these hidden things that might shock the average property investor. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to lift the lid on them and expose that they are out there. So when someone is going about selecting their property manager, they can dig a little deeper and find out the practices that, you know, the, the property manager they're considering has. Mm-hmm. So I guess the first one was that you'd know it, I'd know it, but most people wouldn't know that you only need four days of training to be a property manager. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Sure is. I think I won't name any of the um, training resources, but there was a company I was looking up basically saying you can get your property management registration in four days of class time. And the amount of knowledge that you actually need to manage someone's investment property, something worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, depending on the suburb you're in, it's just mind-boggling to think that four days of training is sufficient to manage such an expensive asset. Yeah. And the sad thing is that a lot of property managers are just shown to a desk fresh out of their course and uh, given a mobile phone and they're expected to hit the ground running. Um, (laughs) And uh, the majority of uh, firms don't have intensive training programs and don't have the procedures for every single task of the business and don't have, I guess, the systems that sit over the top of property managers to ensure that things are getting done and that's where we're very different with those things. Exactly. Um, when anybody uh, is to join us and join our team, the recruitment process is quite intensive to ensure, number one, we're finding the right person, but number two, providing that training that's more than what the mandatory or the legislative requirements are. It's actually empowering our team to know more, learn more, um, and be able to deliver an exceptional level of service, not just what's required so the whole idea is making sure that the investor at the end of the day um, gets that correct advice to make sure that asset is being maintained well well we cover a whole range of other things don't we from investment mindset to how do we deliver over and above expectations and we go into business and investing you know philosophies and principles so that they can really understand our client and deepen their own investing knowledge what are some of the other areas you can think of that we cover that the average property manager wouldn't One thing I think come is, to mind? I'm putting you on the spot here, but you know yeah. I don't. You could probably pull it up while we're talking if, you, if you're really yeah. stuck. Look, I think the, the one thing that really is required in training a property manager, one is negotiation and two really is 
selling. When you're renting a property out and you're taking it to market to lease the property, you fundamentally are performing a sales function. You know, you're trying to sell that property to prospective That's tenant. And a lot of time is spent negotiating and talking and trying to find the right fit, right? Find the right person to move into the property and convince them that it's the right property too. So with four days of training, it's pretty hard to cover that off. Um, I know that sales training courses um, can run for a long longer just on sales. But well, most that, that course is nine days trained, so don't get too easy <laughs> yourself. But very often than not in the sales side, the training offered by agencies is a lot better. And I think there's just a, an assumed amount of knowledge that an experienced property manager should have, but where are they actually getting it? And it's often from, in many cases, just making the same mistake many times over five years and not actually progressing their, their knowledge at a deep enough level to be able to service an investor properly. And that's what probably frustrated me the most before starting our agency 12 years ago when I couldn't find, I had four property managers at the time. I was, oh God, I'm feeling tearing, almost uh, tearing up in the back of my throat just thinking of uh, how difficult that was and frustrating it was when my properties are vacant and they're being damaged and they're not, then the people, the managers were not getting back to me. So communication's so important as well. And sometimes that's not trainable. So you really have to look for that to be at the core of someone, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And I think more important than just looking at the one property manager and the person that you're speaking to, it's actually looking at the companies and the processes behind to support that property manager, which I think what we've been speaking about in passing here, Jared, is that we really need that support because if that one person, and let's be honest, they could be hit by a bus tomorrow, touch when they don't, but we need to have that support behind them to fill in the gaps and make sure that consistently a high level of Consistency is everything, isn't it? I mean, some of our team, you've been with me nine years, uh, Emma, I think, is 10, Lauren, seven, Dallas, is he seventh or eighth? But the team's definitely uh, getting up there in years. And then when we do have a change with some of our newer team members, we've got that uh, consistent training, the consistent level that we get them to. and, And then we have... We don't just assume things are being done. They have their key performance indicators to to keep over the top of them and they have their weekly uh, check-ins and we're continuously making sure at a management level over them that it's all, you know, to the highest standard possible. So any other businesses that don't have that, you know, balls can be dropped. That's where you get those experiences that I had back, uh, you know, 12, 14 years ago before I started the agency. So number two, most property managers have never owned a property before. Now, does that come as a surprise to anyone out there? Um, not sure if it does, Jared, but uh, it's quite a scary thought when you're speaking with your property manager and you ask them a question like, oh, should, should I be paying P&I or interest only? And your property manager just looks at you with a blank stare. <laughs> you know, Silence on the other end of the discussion. That's, yeah. that's right, that's right. So um, I think it's really important. That feeling of having to make mortgage payments, you know, that feeling of trying to get ahead in life and, you know, put some money Knowing inside. how to just, tr- you know, troubleshoot your hot water system oh. is pretty important too. <laughs> yeah, even on the most basic level. So, 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, <laughs> troubleshooting old water system comes naturally to some of us, doesn't it? But uh, if you've just come straight out of home and haven't had the experience of owning your own property before, do you really know? Yeah, I guess it's about that uh, being able to emotionally empathise and understand what our clients are going through as well as the, the tenants. And, you know, if we approach a situation with more understanding and know and can see both sides then you're going to be able to massage things together and get better outcomes for people, aren't you? Yeah, and I think one of the things that makes us a little bit different is a lot of us here own property investments, you know, done subdivisions. And I think that adds another layer to the property management service that we can offer. Even When you've added value to a property, you can often spot it where a client can't. That's right, that's right. You know, you can make the suggestions to renovate this or that or find out from the tenant what they would like to be improved in the property and, and, you know, go about trying to get a higher rent and not just assuming, you know, what we have is the most we can get too. So mm-hmm. number three, some will never see the properties they manage. Now I touched on that and, you know, beginning, but it's becoming more and more commonplace for, for managers to be looking after 200 to 300 properties, which is absolutely crazy. And typically in that structure, there's a junior performing the routine inspections and they might be an 18-year-old. And again, relating back to the experience of the person, it's really difficult for a manager to be just trying to organise maintenance and trying to troubleshoot issues with the property when they're not seeing it themselves. And, And also you know, seeing is believing when you're trying to hold a tenant accountable to things too. So there can be a lot that's missed if the routine officer's not uh, having a good day. She, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, she's not the one that has to then deal with the issues later. So that's the difficulty of splitting that, you know, role. Yeah, and I think um, how can you talk about something you don't see? Um, how can you hold people to account, as you mentioned before, to damages that you haven't seen it makes things a lot more difficult and yeah it's also just in conversation oh you know bedroom two the curtains are slightly damaged which one's bedroom two again you know like you just don't know until you've been to the property um and even though we have floor plans and even though we have video tours nothing beats walking through the home and actually being able to get hands on get underneath the uh vanities get underneath the kitchen sinks and actually inspect the you know wear and tear damages and leaks and i think just oh, the leaks are that's the hidden one that builds up over time that an experienced person wouldn't know to look for. Yeah, exactly. So number four, many don't know how to properly market your property. And we love sharing uh, in very poor ads that we come across from other agents. They get passed around the office and we all have a laugh, but there's (laughs) an investor on the other side of that ad who's ending up with less for their property than they should get what are some of the factors people should be looking for to market their property well? well I, think, I think this is a really good one for um, any investor to jump on one and have a look at the ads that are of those properties in the area and straight away can see the difference in quality between some exactly. of those what they're doing. The others that the property managers got up for rent. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if, if it appears like they've got photos from 2014 and it's timestamped in the bottom corner, you probably think that the marketing needs to be refreshed. Things as well, such as videos, 
also very important. But going back to what I mentioned earlier, in four days, you don't get a lot of training on how to market your property well, how to measure your marketing and make quick adjustments. So um, a story I'll share with you, um, I think I've shared this with you before, Jared, was a, a client uh, who's come to us. She thought she was paying a good fee for a current property manager, but it was vacant for seven months. And when I had a look online, the photos were pretty poor, the ad copy was pretty poor, and um, how many viewings had been done, not many, a handful in seven months. So it was about time she made the change and she came on board with us. We marketed it for the same price. The difference was we used some really great photos and a video tour and great ad copy. And I think it was, what, nine or ten days we managed to secure two applications and get that property leased. So it really does come down to... How long did you say it was vacant for in the first instance? It was nine months, wasn't it? Oh, I thought it was about seven months. So it could have been nine, but, you know, from what I can see, it was about seven months. But it was quite astonishing because the marketing of that property has really impacted... The return to that investor, the vacancy rate was just massive. You know, you've lost more than half a year's worth of income. Um, something you're never really going to get back. So marketing the property correctly is really, really important. You know. Well, we definitely touched on the marketing funnel in one of our last ep- episodes where we chatted. So we won't speak too more about much about that one. But do go back and listen to that episode if you're interested on maximising your rent in this or any other type of market. So. Number five, many don't carry out the detailed condition reports. And I guess this relates yep. back to some of the things you started mentioning with, you know, the hidden things and the so what are you what are you looking for in this point? Well, I think why I giggled slightly is um there is the property condition report is a legislative report, right? You have to use that report and you have to tick a few boxes. But to the degree in which you fill out that report is completely up to the person and the company who's filling out that report. So basically all you need to go through and do is say dining room, walls, clean, undamaged, working order, in a, and that's all you have to do by law. It's the same template that everyone has to use, but it's about making sure that you capture every single part of the property in this report and making sure it's comprehensive, it's detailed, so that we can hold tenants to account if they do any damage to the property. I mean, let's face it, Dwayne, this is all pretty boring stuff (laughs) with regard to condition reports. Yeah, sure it is. But uh, (laughs) when you go to hold a tenant to account later and you or you have to go to court, uh, this is the Bible of um, how a property's condition started. And the real sad thing is that an owner doesn't even often see their condition report. And Mm. when we go and take over properties for management and it happens every single month when we've got new clients coming on, we assume the file that the other managers prepared and we look at the condition report that we've received from them and boy, oh boy, this this is not a... You'd think that uh, with the the templates coming in that that it would uh, improve the overall quality, but, you know, having a thorough... And bulletproof property condition report is uh, is certainly a rarity. Oh, sure it is. And the worst part is, I'd say maybe fifty percent of the files we collect don't have photos as part of the no, condition reports so. either. Travis. So, in terms of crime, join. <laughs> um, you know, it's quite a scary thought that you know when you've got a tick box and you tick three things: clean, undamaged, and 
you know, there's no description of the thing either and there's no photos. I mean, you've really got, you won't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> it does make it really hard later for resolving maintenance too because if when you do your condition report, you note the appliance type, the brand, the, you know, the specs of it, uh, you take a photo of the nameplate, you know, you know what year that hot water system is, exact, what exact type it is, and if you ever have an issue with it, you know, you can more speedily give the plumber the details that are needed and, you know, be yeah, sorting things out the first faster, time without having to bother the owner then. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those, I think detailed condition reports are pretty much the most important thing um, in keeping your property and your asset at a higher standard over time. If, you, if you've just got one dodgy tenant that doesn't do the right thing and there's no detailed condition reports to hold them into account, that's where you see that property value slip and slide. Yeah. And you do want to be maintaining your asset because you never know when you're going to sell and take a step back to take a step forward and, you know, you don't want to be discovering it then. Yeah, spending money on, you know, 10, 20 grand fixing up the place before you sell it just to get it to a sellable standard's not really good investment in your money, <laughs> not necessarily anyway. So number six is that many property managers are shockingly bad communicators. Does this surprise anyone? Um, I, you probably wouldn't know how important this is until you've experienced, you know, what bad communication is. And we recently did a survey of our clients, uh, didn't we, Dwayne? Yeah. And... Uh, asking them many different questions to see how we're going with our service and come up with all of the projects for improvement over the next year. But in one of the questions we were asking them, what do they love most about our service? And probably 80% of people were throwing around, you know, responsive communication, prompt communication, thoughtful, you know, always getting back to me quickly, um, resolving issues before I knew about them, keeping me informed every step of the way. Like that's, what matters to me most as an investor and what frustrated me and inspired me to start this agency. So, you know, anything else to add to that one? I just got um, carried away. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all right. I, uh, I do have a story to share. I was renting out a property a little while ago and a tenant came to the property and said, oh, what's making you look at this property? Oh, to be honest, I just wanted the area and I was sick of renting through my current agent. Oh, why is that? Because every time I call for a maintenance issue or um, I call to check on where I'm paid to with my rent, it's two to three weeks before they get back to me. In fact, they never pick up the phone and just send me an email back. And I'm just sick of it. Maintenance has been outstanding for months and months and months and I don't know where anything is at. So the tenant actually left the property, applied for our one, and when she did put the application for me, Jerry, she mentioned... Well, good luck catching up with that agent because uh, she won't return my calls. Good luck getting a return <laughs> call from her. And no joke, it was a couple of no, yeah, a couple of weeks before we actually got um, an answer from this particular. Oh, sorry, probably about a week by the time she got back to us and we got a reference check on that tenant. But it goes to show that if your property agent doesn't communicate well, you're actually losing tenants, costing you a fair bit of money uh, with the tenant turnover and vacancy as well. So it was interesting to hear that coming from the tenant because as landlords you'd expect good communication you're the paying client but as a tenant they find that really really important too definitely and i guess uh that's why a lot of tenants do get frustrated and leave and the owner 
never may know the true reason that they're vacating the property. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's very true. So number seven, and uh, this is the last of our shocking uh, hidden property management truths, is too many investors are not getting paid rent. And I, where I was going to with this one is that I guess the standards for rent arrears are well above where they should be in terms of 5% is considered to be a well-run portfolio. 5% of tenants are in arrears. And many agencies have a lot worse than that. So some may be operating with 10 to 15% of their tenants in arrears. So what that, I guess, means is for every 100 properties that they manage, between 5 and 15 owners are not getting paid that month. And not only that, the majority of agents still only pay out monthly. So they hold on to the funds over the month and they're not clearing their trust account out weekly. So they're holding on to people's money and they're not collecting to anywhere near the extent that I believe we should expect. So, mm. I mean, I for one definitely want my money in my bank um, as soon as possible. Oh, getting paid so. is the most important thing for an investor, isn't it? <laughs> That's why we're in it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we've done a lot of work over the last five years to, especially when times got tougher, we had to increase our procedures and uh, follow up around our tenants. And thankfully, even now, what percent are we at at the moment? It was, uh, we're moving between 2 and 3% and that's even with COVID. So we'd have on average two owners or three owners out of 100 not being um, paid, but we also work extremely hard to get it in as quickly as possible so that even if they're a day behind or two days behind, we're on their case um, day one, not leaving it uh, for three or four days, that's hoping right, yeah. that the money comes in. Yeah, that's right. Jump on it straight away and try to get that money in ASAP. Well, Dwayne, thanks for chatting through some of those hidden things today and hopefully it'll give people um, a bit more idea of what to look for under the hood of their property manager when they're next going about appointing one. And of course, if people do uh, want to check out our service, where should they go? And I guess they can speak to you as you handle all of our potential new clients. So yep, where's the best definitely. place for them to go? Oh, I think the first place to visit is our website. Um, that website, www.investorsedge.com.au. Yeah, that will share a lot of basic information that you might be chasing, but after having a look at that, yes, a conversation with myself and we'll see if you might be the right fit to help. Yeah, so just request a free rental price check if you do want to chat to Duane about your property and situation and we can certainly take you through all the other things we're doing to, you know, give clients guaranteed peace of mind. So thanks, Duane. No worries. Thanks, Joe. See you, mate. Bye. Bye.